0: You know, we're human and we want to see our work. Like we are just talking about carpentry and mechanics. You get to see your work. And I think sometimes we don't get to see the work the Lord's doing, even though there's a lot of behind the scenes going on. But oftentimes I feel like the Lord is saying, hey, let me just be the joy of your life.
1: Welcome to Be One, Make One, a Discipleship Podcast. This is a show where we share stories and tools to equip everyday followers of Jesus to make disciples. On every episode, I have a conversation with someone whose life reflects Jesus' command to go and make disciples. Being a disciple is more than just investing in people. It's about seeing more of Jesus. On this episode, I sit down with my friend John and we discuss, what is a disciple? well thanks for being with us today how long would you say that you've been trying to make disciples for
0: I think I became interested in making disciples probably like two years after I came to know the Lord back in college just grabbed my heart some of my friends I wanted them to experience some of the things I was experiencing as I as I walked with Jesus
1: you said it was probably about two years when you became a Christian to when you kind of started to grasp disciple-making. What was kind of happening for you in those two years? Well, Ethan, I'll tell you with me,
0: the word becoming Christian, it was just never on my radar. I just thought as someone who was brought up going to like a religious school and Christianity, I wouldn't even have considered myself having to become one. I just thought I was just getting to know Jesus. But what really caught me to have an interest for some of my friends, you know, when I did trust Christ, you know, which I like to call, started following Jesus when I was 20, how I knew I was a disciple, I kind of like had this new conscience. And I hate to use the term Jesus speak to me, but it really like was that. But as I related with Jesus, I just felt like he was putting other people on my heart. As I got closer to him, John 10 is one of my favorite passages about like the why of discipleship. You know, he said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I would, I have come that they would have life. And I was experiencing life like I was changing. And I wanted that for my buddies. And that's basically all I told them. It wasn't about Christianity or where I was going to church. It was just this relationship that was bringing life to me. And they were really curious about it. So that's how I looked at discipleship as I was just walking with Jesus and telling people about it as I walked with them.
1: I really love that, that image of Jesus giving us life and it's life to the full, right? It's this abundant life. And I know that this desire to help people kind of experience what you have led you to minister in a really tough place. You're in the Middle East for what, eight years? Yep. Can I say the Middle East? Yeah, Yeah, we're in the Middle East. I feel like in some ways you're definitely risking your life and your family's life to be there. Why did you feel it was worth it?
0: As God calls us, you know, like discipleship, it's a process. So one of my favorite passages on that about going somewhere, Ethan, is Matthew four nineteen. He said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. So just as I followed Jesus, he put other people groups on my heart. You know, I'm a Midwestern boy. I never really traveled much. I'd never think I was going to live in the Middle East. But as I followed him, he would just give me eyes to see people on campus who were, I felt, You know, as far as I read the scriptures, they were under like captivity of different thoughts and they wanted freedom. You know, we really forget that following Jesus and reading the Bible leads to freedom. (laughs) It's not a confining thing. I wanted others to experience that because I really had grown to love them, not just like them. Part of my heart is when I feel like someone has a misunderstanding of me, an organization or something I believe in, I want to correct that. I feel like I have an obligation. So a lot of our friends in the Middle East they have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is, whether it's through historical narratives, culture, whatever it may be, but it's such a relational climate and warm people, um, I feel like had an obligation to say, hey, I I want you to go from a misunderstanding to who really the Messiah is, Mm -hmm. because there's so much that stands in the way from history, politics, wrongdoing. So I actually loved the challenge of representing Christ that way. I never felt threatened. Really. Not that I know of. (laughs) There could have been people (laughs) plotting. The Lord probably guarded our hearts of that. But I had some of the best experiences in my faith and with my family living in the Middle East.
1: What do you mean by that, by having experiences in, in your faith? Well, you know, sometimes
0: people just flat out come up to us and say, John, people are dying to get into America. It's the most sought after country for immigrants, refugees. Why would you come here? (laughs) And you can only say the food and the culture for so long and then it's (laughs) over. And I started just saying, well, you know what? I'm going to be honest here. It's good policy. (laughs) I said, uh, I felt like God wanted me to come here. And boy, that really opened doors. One, it was being truthful and I trust God for their response because God really did call me there. And what came with that was almost like, well, if God promised all his character of who he is, that he would protect my family. And I had to make peace, my wife and I, that one of one of our kids would get hurt. What if one of them would get kidnapped or I would get kidnapped? But as far as the hurt goes, the same thing could happen here. That's something I trust God with. When, when I said, Lord, I'll follow you. You know, as we're talking about discipleship, I think a missing ingredient is we don't talk about the cost. You know, in Luke 14... Jesus really was clear with the disciples. Unless you leave your mother and father, or if you don't love me more than them, you can't be my disciple. And picking up your cross and following me. And I did. I remember telling my family and co-workers, hey, I'm leaving to go work with this organization to tell people about Christ. They thought that was sounded pretty crazy. But it's part of the cost of being a disciple. Jesus really spoke during those really difficult times of being a disciple, where death was really like my interest, myself. And I'd say, Lord, I'll put your interests before mine. That's costly.
1: I love that you bring that up, that it's disciple being a disciple, making disciples discipleship. Is, there's a cost there. So I guess how do you how do you communicate or balance that with this reality that we often talk about when we share the gospel is the free gift of God's eternal life. You know, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's just given to us. But then there's this I just I'm just wondering, is, is it a bait and switch? Where it's like it's free. But actually, there's a great cost to follow Jesus. How do you how do you balance sure. that tension? How do you communicate that? Yeah,
0: I mean, that's a great observation, Ethan, because it can almost seem like bait and switch. And in some ways, uh, we all know that following Jesus initially at first is harder. Jesus did say, you know, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it just remains a single seed. But until it dies, then it starts multiplying. So I look at it, Ethan, that... You know, Jesus invitation, and that's really what discipleship is. And I think anyone who, any one of us who seek to have a discipleship relationship with someone, we should call it what it is. Like, Ethan, I want to invite you to meet with me to follow Jesus. And here's some of the costs that are going to be there. But the, to answer your question, the benefits of the, of the cost of giving your life up is you find your life in Christ. One of my favorite passages from the apostle paul in second corinthians 4 where paul does say you know those of us in christ were always being given over the death and here's why so the life of christ may be revealed in our mortal bodies now what's amazing about christ's life in me I, i can be forgiving now i can love treat my parents better and that would have never happened in my old self you know the bible calls that the flesh a lot but the thing is, with Christ, why I can suffer the cost, one, it's who God is, I can be obedient. But he really does promise. Like you referenced that he's come to give us abundant life. But here he says, hey, you don't have to be content with your old self. You know, the new self, the new man will be revealed. And as we talked earlier before we were, you know, on, on the mic here on the podcast, um, it's just a continual process. That he's making us into the image of his son. I love that image. I love that experience of new life when I wake up in the morning. You know, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah says his compassion and mercies are new every morning. You know, I read somewhere a couple weeks ago that he preached for like 48 years and people didn't believe what he said. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. 48 years. He's quoted in chapter three of... You know, saying the Lord's compassions and mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. But what's interesting, too, Ethan, that passage, he says, if it weren't for the Lord's love, mercy and compassion, we would be consumed. And there's another thing about discipleship. You know, the Lord promises that my life, he's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. That's all in him. There's just I think we're seeing in our society with mental health issues, with people being addicted to things. I'm addicted to Craigslist, (laughs) buying cars, (laughs) but the Lord says, and it does happen to us. The Lord says, hey, if you make me the center of your life, you won't be consumed. I mean, Jesus is really offering to rescue us from ourselves.
1: You mentioned Jeremiah, you know, being a prophet for 48 years, not going well, doesn't have a great message. People aren't responding. And even when I read scripture and I see the disciples in the gospels, they often didn't get it. Yeah. Jesus had to keep saying things over and over again, and even it really wasn't until the Holy Spirit came that it kind of clicked for them. How do you handle when the people you're trying to disciple aren't getting it?
0: You know, we're human, and we want to see our work. Like we were just talking about carpentry and mechanics. You get to see your work. And I think sometimes we don't get to see the work the Lord's doing, even though there's a lot of behind the scenes going on. But oftentimes. I feel like the Lord is saying, hey, let me just be the joy of your life. And I know you know, there's there's statistics out there from other Abrahamic religions, faiths. They're slow to come to know Christ. Some other faiths, uh, Hindu, Buddhism, where they don't have Christ as the center, as other faiths would have, they're slow going. There's a lot of cultural components to it. I think the Lord even has a message for us in that, Ethan. You know, as we look at what we call the 1040 window, why aren't those people groups embracing, I would say, they're maybe not embracing Christianity, but some they don't have a problem with Jesus. So I think sometimes the Lord will not allow us to kind of malign his message, but we take it personal. So I think once I get over the hurdle of, well, let me really understand, are they saying no to Christ or Christianity? I mean, there's some things about Christianity I don't like. I'd say no to. And once we get outside our culture, you know, where people who live in a, you know, more of a sacred culture and we're secular, God is part of their day. And I just think we have to understand um, where they are to go from maybe misunderstanding or to really who the Messiah is. But I think a second component of what keep what kept me from not being so frustrated, for lack of a better phrase, not seeing fruit. One of the best passages personally I like on discipleship is John 15. And a bunch of us in our organization are going through th- about abiding. You know, Jesus did give some clear examples of what it meant to be a disciple in there. He says, well, it's someone who abides with me. It's someone who loves other believers. And third, he bears fruit. Jesus said that he'd said for all of us that you'd bear fruit, proving yourself to be my disciple. So I think sometimes we're, we want to see different fruit than what Jesus does. And I don't think Jesus is going to let us be content in other things, but him. Because he said, I've told you these things so that my joy would be in you and it would make you complete. Similar to that word from Jeremiah, to be consumed because we can all get consumed in work, even if it's ministry. And I think the Lord is just like, hey, I'm jealous for you and I'm not going to let you take away from anything that would come between us and our relationship. So one, I think for any disciple, the joy of the Lord has to be our strength, you know, like Nehemiah said. So my frustration came more from, I just didn't like Seeing my friends trying to be satisfied from other things besides Christ, because I knew it wouldn't work. So I think that's how I got over the hurdle, putting it in perspective, making sure that my joy is really complete in Christ, not in my work. I think the joy would fuel my work. It wouldn't come as a result from my work.
1: How would you encourage someone to grow as a disciple? so ethan
0: let me just clarify grow as a disciple or disciple maker
1: do you feel like there is a difference can you separate the two
0: yeah i think every disciple should be a disciple maker and i would even say a disciple would want to be you know later on as you walk with jesus that desire because your heart and his heart are becoming one and what's on his heart is people so inevitably if you sign up and say jesus i want to take you up on your invitation you will have a heart for others to disciple. So, But I think to be a good disciple, it's just those three things, those three L's I call them. Is there a love for Jesus? Are you learning from him? And are you loyal? Does he take first place in everything? You know, we we're joking about one of the bands I listened to before I came to Christ. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't go to a concert because Jesus put on my heart, I don't want you to go there. Well, I was loyal to that. And loyal sometimes is giving him an allegiance over others. We kind of like downplay this idea of picking up your cross daily, but that's a loyalty issue. So just to be a better disciple, I would just kind of revisit those three character qualities, love and being a learner. What are you learning from Jesus recently every day? And do you really have a, a loyalty to only him?
1: For you, John, as you've been following Jesus now for a long time, are there any disciplines or practices that, for you, have been really helpful in continuing to walk faithfully with Jesus?
0: Well, Ethan, for me, it's it's scripture memory, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's an ongoing battle.
1: Sure. You know, <laughs> it is. But
0: you know, as we we're we we're talking, sadly, about some of my character qualities I let go of, being the sarcasm. Um, And it comes from, I say scripture memory, Jesus said something amazing that we could actually have his mind. You know, in 1 Corinthians 2, 16, Paul said, you have the mind of Christ. And I, boy, sometimes, you know, my mind can race places, but I'm so fortunate the Holy Spirit, you know, that discipline of saturating my mind with God's word, it changes me into who he wants me to be. I'm thinking things, and I'm like, where did that come from? Well, is it my old self, my flesh, or is it the new mind in Christ? And that's what discipleship is. It's helping someone be Christ-like. And I think one of those disciplines Jesus certainly did, God left us His Word. It's one of the only tangible things. I mean, all the empires, the Roman ruins, they've all come down. History, technology, an enduring thing God's given us is His Word. It's living and active. So it does. It changes me. But to be honest with you, Ethan, I just recommitted like on Monday that I want to get back to memorizing two verses a week because the why is it changes me. It reveals more of the mind of Christ. Sometimes I don't like my mind. And let's keep that between us. (laughs) So that's a discipline I get back to as being a disciple. Love that. Ethan, when, when Jesus said, you know, in Matthew 28, you know, very common phrase on going to the, to the nations and why. Um, Jesus said something, because uh, discipling someone, it's intimidating, it should be. It, it's an amazing privilege God has given us to invest in someone else. But Jesus said something here. He said, um, when you go out and disciple and make disciples, he says, I am with you to the very end of the age. So we, we've all had friends that we've gone through this where we say, I just don't feel so close to God. And I, I ask them, let me ask you, are you giving your life away to anybody? And usually, not all the time, a good percentage of the time, it's, I really haven't been. Okay. Well, maybe you're not close with Jesus because where is he? Well, he's with others. He's with the nations. He disciples people. He's there when you're there with someone else. Now, I, that doesn't come into play. His self, Our salvation is secured by his one act, whether we disciple anybody. But it's a more of a result of do I really feel like I'm loved? He's my savior. He's revealing all these new things to me. I'd tell someone, because I think when we're in the midst of a discipleship relationship, Ethan, we're praying more, we're seeking God for a person. And I think Jesus is saying, I am with you, Ethan, John, while you're discipling someone to the very end of the age. So I look at discipleship as a privilege. And if we're not doing it, we're kind of missing out. And as we look at life, like I know, I don't know, some of this will be on TV or podcast. If you just look at a, A grid on one side of years I've been a believer it's called a believer and on the bottom grid experiences I had if you just plot out coming to faith whatever age that was going to a conference um, somehow doing a a a missions trip but somehow all of us as believers we peek out if we don't give our lives away to others because under this kind of this glass ceiling or this, we level out, we peek out, because all underneath someone's helped us in our faith. Our next level of not just growth, but seeing Jesus, is you'll help someone in the faith, you'll disciple someone. So I don't know, in in some type of selfish way, I'd encourage you to disciple someone just that you'll see Jesus more in your own life, let alone help them. So it's a privilege
1: he's left us with to go and make disciples, because we'll see him more. B1 Make One is a production of The Navigators in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, podcast.navigators.org. Elise Stone is our editor. Our sound engineer is Caleb Zier. Adabel Artiga is our creative director. Our producer is Austin Davko. And I'm your host and producer, Ethan Hasso.